What I wanted to do this morning is share some, um, some teaching on spiritual gifts because today is a day where we're thinking about being proactive in the body uh, of Christ. But when I say spiritual gifts, what comes to mind? And probably a bunch of different things uh, for different people. But if we're being honest, probably for a lot of people, a big old fat question mark. Uh, or maybe a big exclamation point. What is the deal with spiritual gifts? Maybe you've never heard a teaching about it. Maybe you've never focused on something. Or maybe you've heard people say kind of uh, uh, things that you perceive to be radical or strange to you. You're not quite sure. And, uh, but here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a genuine follower of Jesus, you have at least one spiritual gift. Some of you will have more, but everyone has at least one spiritual gift. You believe in who Jesus is, what he has done for you on the cross. He has given his, his life for yours. You trust that he has risen from the dead. You've decided to follow Jesus. If that is you, you have at least one spiritual gift. But let's be honest, right? Because I think, I think when you look at the Christian traditions that are around us, uh, many have not been that consistent with teaching about spiritual gifts, whether it's, uh, and this is just my own observation from what I've seen and read, whether it be Anglican churches, United, Baptist, Lutheran, Roman Catholic, um, you know, non-denominational, independent, uh, and including Presbyterian churches, we have not always been very good at teaching consistently about spiritual gifts. And so we'd like to change that a little bit with a focus on these gifts. Now, if you're not sure about spiritual gifts or you're uncertain about their function in their lives or anything I've said so far, I think this insight from John Thompson, an insight with which I agree, um, will compel you to think again and, and get you excited, hopefully, about what we're going to be talking about. What he says is that spiritual gifts are a heaven-guaranteed place of God's power in your life. A heaven-guaranteed place of God's power in the life of a believer. Okay, So what we're going to do is, this is going to be a bit of a mini-series. So today I thought, okay, we're receiving new members. We're going to hear these sincere uh, faith statements. It would be good to you know, uh, bring in a teaching on spiritual gifts. But the more I thought about it and prayed about it and studied it, I thought, I can't, this just can't just be one Sunday. And so we're going to talk for several Sundays about spiritual gifts, what they are, and, and their function in our lives. And so we're going to do that. Uh, then what we're going to do, and this is just a bit of a, kind of a heads up for the new year, we're going to look through the book of Esther. Uh, Esther and Mordecai, it's a very powerful story. We're going to look through those uh, chapters, and then we're going to go into the book of Colossians, and that'll take us uh, through the first half of uh, the year. But here's the process for today. There's a handout uh, that looks like this. A lot of you would have received this uh, when you came in. Um, so what this is, is this summarizes the spiritual gifts that we're going to cover over the next several weeks, okay? And so uh, it's got, a def, uh, it's got the, the book from John Thompson. I draw a lot of these from John Thompson, who's a pastor in Toronto. He wrote a book called Convergence, and uh, the subtitle is great, Why Jesus Needs to Be More Than Our Lord and Savior for the Church to Thrive in a Post-Christian World. Talk about a great subtitle. Why Jesus needs to be more than Lord and Savior for the church to thrive in a post-Christian world. So I'm going to go through these gifts, do some explanation, and you notice there's a couple lines underneath each uh, definition. And that's for you if you want to write a question. Uh, maybe uh, you have a special insight about one of them. Uh, if anyone doesn't have one of those handouts but would like one, just raise your hand because I think Susie has some extras. Anyone not have one but want one? The next? Okay. Maybe just keep your hand up for a second, and then Susie's going to wander around and just identify you, okay? Uh, and so that is what that is. So over there, then there's a couple around. Thank you. 
So today is very high level, okay? So it's high level. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about how they exist. This is like the 10,000 foot view. Spiritual gifts exist. We're going to get informed. So one of the first important things is to say, okay, what are spiritual gifts in the first place? Right? It's going to be harder to identify what they may be in your life if you don't know what your special spiritual gift is. Uh, and then we're going to ask the question, how do I know? Okay, if this is information about spiritual gifts, how do I know what gift I might have? And so that's a question we're really going to get into next week. And so we're going to get into that uh, then. Uh, and then you want to put them into action. Okay. And as Susie comes around, if you see her, just continue to keep your, your hand up. But okay, we're talking about this is the high, high level. This is the big picture view. We need to back up and think about your life with Christ. Uh, next slide. <clears throat> so the idea here is that we need to kind of frame this in, in terms of our discipleship. And so there's a picture of, of Jesus. On the left, you see the word salvation. On the right, sanctification. So these are two very big, important words when it comes to understanding our life with Christ. And salvation is being made right with God through Christ. When someone is saved, okay? We trust who Jesus is, what he has done for us on the cross, giving his life for ours. He takes, you know, the consequence of our sin upon himself. He pays for that, and he gives us a standing of righteousness before God. This is how salvation works, and we get forgiveness and peace with God, okay? And so then on the other side of that is sanctification, which is a big churchy word, meaning becoming holy, or the process of becoming holy, or more like Christ. So some churches focus on one and not the other, some on the other and not the one. Both of them are very important. And so now, having said that about sanctification, our life in Christ, we're going to zoom in a little bit on that and focus on three aspects of our sanctification. And you'll notice that each of these three categories has the word spirit in it, meaning Holy Spirit. So when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit, so God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God in the person of the Holy Spirit indwells or starts to live within believers, starts to live in us and work through us, God himself. And certain things start to happen as we seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and this is the Holy Spirit working through us. Now, the first of those three categories is probably the one we talk about the most, fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Galatians 5, Paul says them. And these are aspects of Christian character that we will grow in the Spirit. If you know them, say them with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Then there is spiritual disciplines, Holy Spiritual disciplines. These are things that God has given to us, practices, through which he nurtures and grows his people, right? So these are things like prayer, they're like Bible reading, going to worship, fasting, study, uh, fellowship with other believers. These are spiritual disciplines, right? And then there are spiritual gifts, holy spiritual gifts that he gives to his people. Now, what are they? Well, here's a good uh, explanation from Bruce Bugby, who's done a lot of work. Spiritual gifts are endowments or special skills given by God that enable us, you, to make our unique contribution. They're not natural talents, but divine abilities that enable us to do ministry. So given by God, given to his people, right? They're not the same as your natural talents that you have. Some of them might have something in common with your natural talents, but God has specifically given you this gift to work through you that will enable us to do ministry. And ministry meaning Christian service, okay, in a variety of ways, as we will see. 
So as we go through this little mini-series, we're going to be looking at different scripture passages. And first we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 because it highlights one very specific thing that I'm focusing on. I've already said it a couple times, but we need to see it and take it seriously. Now, the Corinthian community has a lot of problems. Uh, There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of argumentation. There's a lot of sinful behavior going on. And so Paul is writing to help them address and correct some of these things. But one of the problems that they're having is that they have these spiritual gifts, and some people are thinking, oh, some of the gifts are way more spiritual and higher and and more great. They're, They're puffing people up. And so some people think that they are better than others because of the certain spiritual gifts that they have, okay? So let's highlight what he says, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers or brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And we skip to verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Okay? It's okay, there's something of a commonality here. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And here's our key line that we need to focus on. So we're saying, okay, these people are arguing about spiritual gifts and they have different ones. We're saying, hey, it all comes from the same Holy Spirit. It all comes from the same Lord, so cut it out. He says, to each is given, so each person, this is one of the places that we find that every genuine follower of Jesus has at least one spiritual gift, and it is for the common good. It's for the good of the people, specifically in the body of Christ, meaning specifically in the church, but also in other contexts, because there's an overflow from that, as we will see. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. That's a gift. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Now, we're all to have faith, but some people, as we will find out, have a special, powerful gift of faith. And these people, they're like, they bring oxygen into the room. They have such a powerful confidence in God that it's contagious. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Talk about that on the third Sunday. To another, various kinds of tongues. This is speaking in tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. So what we're going to do today is we're going to just go through the first six of these. Again, this is high level. I acknowledge that after we go through this, there's going to be more questions. But I want you to be starting to think about, okay, what are these? Do I understand what is being talked about? And might I have one of these spiritual gifts? Now, we're specifically going to get into that question next week. How do I know? And I'm going to take you through a series of steps that will help us in that discernment process. But if God has given you a gift, God wants you to be using your gift. And it is a heaven-guaranteed place of power in your life. Okay? So, let's begin. Uh, Love gifts. So we're just going to go through the first six today. Uh, Love gifts uh, manifest God's love in practical ways. So there's love gifts, and these are the the kind of cluster of three categories that John Thompson gives us. I think it's helpful. Love gifts, then there's word gifts, then there are power gifts. Okay? So love gifts. They manifest God's love in practical ways. Here's the first one, administration. It's a capacity to manage details of service functions so as to support and free those in leadership to prioritize their efforts. 
And that's the definition of J. Robert Clinton. So this is something that's behind the scenes. This is a love gift that helps people in the church. And so maybe there's a leader or there's someone who's out front and doing something. There's people behind the scenes who are facilitating things so that those people can do the work that they need to do. And so that actually behind the scenes helping administrative function is actually a heaven-sent spiritual gift from God. And it is important. Okay? So that's administration. All that... I wouldn't think of that like a spiritual gift. I usually think of things like speaking in tongues or prophecy. No, no, no. These are all important. And there's way more spiritual gifts than you may have been led to believe. Next. Helping and serving. Quote, the capacity to unselfishly meet the needs of others through very practical service. That's also Clinton's definition. So this is the person who looks for the opportunity to serve and when they do, to help someone in a practical way. Whether it be, hey, I need someone to help me move apartments. Or um, I, I need someone to help me get groceries because someone, someone is attuned to that, they're attentive to that, and when they do those sorts of things and they make time for those sorts of things, they feel that somehow they have moved the kingdom of God forward. And they feel a certain amount of God's joy within them when they do that. Related to it, but a bit different, is mercy, to cheerfully and practically help those who are suffering or are in need. And that's Bugby's definition. Now, you'll notice the difference between them is that the second one, a person is particularly in tuned to people who are suffering, right? So there's suffering going on, and a person wants to show mercy. Now, as we say these, whether it's this, whether it's evangelism, whether it's something else, whether it's prayer, there's certain things that all Christians need to be doing, need to be sharing our faith, need to be praying, need to be showing mercy, absolutely, but some people have a special measure, a special gift that entunes them in a divine way to those needs where they feel joy when they act it out. And when they do so, they experience a measure of fruitfulness from what they have done for the kingdom of God. Okay? Maybe more so than you can measure possibly with, with other people. Next. Giving. Quote, this is J. Robert Clinton's definition, the capacity to give liberally to meet the needs of others... And yet to do so with a purity of motive which senses that the giving is a simple sharing of what God has given. Okay, so some people, they've been blessed in a financial or a material way, and they are generous with others, and they don't do this for recognition. It's not like they want other people to notice them. They're doing it out of a purity of motive for the kingdom of God. This is actually a heaven-ordained spiritual gift to bless other people. And sometimes we can fall victim to this thinking, I think, that, oh, something's material or about money. It's somehow less spiritual. No, 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 no. This is a spiritual capacity that God has given to some people, to the people who will use it and bless. Next. So from there, we move to word gifts. And we're only going to take a look at two word gifts this morning as a part of this kind of 10,000-foot bird's eye view. Now, word gifts clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. Okay, and the first is teaching. Clinton says, the ability to instruct, explain, or expound biblical truth in such a way as to cause believers to understand the biblical truth. Now, the first thing we think about when we see this is we think, well, preachers, right? And, and that's a part of it. But we need to think more broadly, right? We need to think of someone who is able to take that biblical truth and teach it and explain it to others so their level of clarity is heightened. So think of all the situations where this might be possible. Sunday school, small groups, 
Maybe some other type of ministry group that has a faith-based component to it. Um, maybe it's in more one-on-one -on -one encounters. Someone is so committed to the Bible and to learning about it that they're able to share with people in a teaching function. That's a word gift. Next. Exhortation and encouragement. And this is the last gift that we're going to look at on this introductory um, morning. But exhortation is like encouragement with supercharged muscle. Okay? So it is, according to Clinton, the capacity to urge people to action in terms of applying biblical truths to encourage people generally with biblical truths or to comfort people through the application of biblical truth to their needs. I know they're trying to be very specific uh, on these, some of these definitions, right? And so these are the encouragers among us. We love encouragers. We love people who come along and encourage us. And some people have that natural gift. You know who they are, right? They write a letter to you to encourage you at the right time. They have something to say to you at that right moment. They send a card in the mail. Or they just have that heaven-ordained word that you need. And you know something special has happened when that person has communicated with you. That is a heaven-ordained gift. <clears throat> now, you notice in the little logos that I've chosen, there's a person talking, of course. There's also a musical note. And so there's four places, four lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, uh, and Ephesians 4. So those are the main lists, but there are other places where we pick up gifts as well. Now, music is never specifically mentioned as a spiritual gift. However, we know we are to sing, and we know it blesses us in many ways. I think it's actually a part of this gift. Because what happens when we sing praises to God and we sing songs that glorify Him? Well, uh, we're inspired, we are encouraged, we are comforted. And so music ministry can be a function of the gift of exhortation and encouragement. So what we're going to do is we're going to end the explanations of those six here. And so I'm just going to read the rest of them, and we are going to focus on them over the next couple of Sundays. From there, there's the gift of apostleship, leadership, um, uh, shepherding. Uh, evangelism, by the way, and as I read through these, uh, I could just identify certain people on these different gift categories. It's amazing. Then there's the power gifts, which are prophecy, then speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues, uh, intercession, which is a gift of prayer. Uh, then there's faith as a special gift, uh, discernment of spirits, which is really about discerning between good and evil, uh, words of wisdom or knowledge. Some people think that's two categories, could be one. Uh, healing, uh, and then uh, miracles. And so as we go through this, as we start, make notes, start to think about what might I have? How, how might these function in my life and the world? And take note of it, and I hope we will grow and learn together. So next week, we're going to get into finishing the rest of the word gifts. We might get into a few of the start of the power gifts. But <clears throat> we're going to get specifically into how do I know which gifts I have and even as some of you look through that list, you're probably starting to think, well, maybe this one, maybe that one, maybe you took some sort of online test a couple years ago and you're not so sure anymore. We're going to be going through, okay, what, what do you do to try to figure out what gifts you might have? So as I close out this introductory morning, I just want to say that the basis of all of this is love, okay? Remember what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. The basis of all the gifts is love, Hear what he says. So he goes through that section in, in chapter 12. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. 
But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. And then he starts the famous passage that we all love, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And so love is the bedrock of everything we're about to talk about and do. Jeff Metters in one of his books says, We may love rejoicing in the truth, but if we are unkind, our pants are on fire. We may love rejoicing in the truth, but if we are unkind, our pants are on fire. There's something wrong with what we're doing and how we're approaching things. All right, closing thought. On a teaching on the Holy Spirit, Barry Cooper shares this analogy, and I think it's helpful as we kind of get into this topic that um, we maybe haven't talked about as much as we should have talked about as we think about the heaven-guaranteed place of power in your life. He said, imagine there's a house and there's a painter, and that painter is in the house, and his job is to paint the house, the inside of it. And he's got all the paint he needs. He's trained. And um, he does a wonderful job. The den, the kitchen, the master bedroom, bathroom. It looks so wonderful. But there's certain rooms that he hasn't painted. Now, why is that? Well, it's because those rooms are locked. And so what do you do? Because you want those rooms painted. Well, do you hire a new painter? Do you get more paint? No, there's already a painter who's well-trained. Do you get more paint? No, there's already enough paint. What do you do? Well, you get the owner of the house to go around and unlock the doors. And then the painter goes in and does his work in those rooms. Each of us is a house. And if you are a genuine follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit working within you. That's the painter. And he's doing wonderful things. He's already working through your lives. The question we need to ask ourselves is, when it comes to spiritual gifts, are there certain doors, are there certain rooms or corners or aspects of our lives that we have yet to ask the Holy Spirit to come in to do his powerful work? And when it comes to spiritual gifts, I think that's sometimes what has happened. There are certain rooms that are locked. But may we unlock those rooms because the Holy Spirit wants us to cooperate with the work that he wants to do in our lives. All for the common good. Praise be to God. Let us journey and learn together. Amen.